let's give the worship team a clap, amen, for their, off, I mean, for their efforts tonight. We appreciate every one of them, amen. Appreciate every one of you tonight, amen. Again, I count it a great honor, a great privilege, amen, to minister the word of God, amen, tonight. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 27 to 31. I felt led by the Spirit of God to minister this tonight. Amen. There was a true story about a man who dies and the doctors try to resuscitate him. As he dies the first time, they resuscitate him. He begins to cry out, fire, fire. He dies again and then they resuscitate him back again. He cries, flames, flames. They resuscitate him back again the third time. He cries, heat, heat. By this time, the doctors are wondering what is going on. They raise the man back the fourth and fifth time. The fourth time and on the fifth occasion, they couldn't revive him. The poor man died and went into eternity, went into hell. In our text we're about to read, there's a man who made a tragic mistake. But he exhibited a quality that should have been exhibited on the earth and it was too late where he was. I want to preach a sermon entitled, Compassion from Hell, tonight. Out of Luke 16, 27 to 31. Let's read tonight. The Bible says, after he's had a dialogue with Abraham about Lazarus uh, uh, going to cool his tongue. We jump into this text. Here. Then he said, I beg you therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to the place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded for one rise from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your grace tonight. Help me to minister with wisdom, compassion, and humor tonight, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you will touch the lost and touch the backslider. You will stir up the saints, oh God, to be moved with your heart. God, hide me behind the cross. I, I do not want no glory, but all the glory to go to you. We claim the backslider, claim the loss. We bind the devil in every distraction. Help me, God, in Jesus' name to glorify your name. And God's people said, compassion from hell. There are some things we can learn from this rich man who went to hell, or the Bible called Hades. As soon as he died, he instinctively knew how to pray for help. You see, on earth, it seems that prayer, well, the prayer did not matter to this man. Prayer is always a language of dependency. God was not a priority in this man's life. He lived life to the full, but without God in his thoughts and without God in his life. 
You see, there are two types of rich people in the world. You got the party-crazy, drug-taking, sex-crazed rich, like Mick Jagger. And you got the conservative, moral-abiding, family-type rich who just wants to live life in a civilized way. We don't know what type of rich man this man was. The rich man in our picture is a, is a picture of people who are satisfied to live without God. They are self-seeking, they love pleasure, and they love themselves. You see, in our text, this man was consumed. The rich man was consumed with the present and not with the eternal things of life. The physical was more important, was more value than his eternal soul. His self-indulgent life blinded him from the truth that naked we came out and naked we go. Job 121 says that naked I came out my mother's womb and naked I go. I heard a story about a man in Australia, who was a Harley Davidson driver, rider? Who knows a Harley Davidson? Hell's Angels. He wasn't one. But he said to his friends, when I die, please bury me with my Harley Davidson so I can ride highway to heaven. I mean, no, he ain't going to be seeing no Harley Davidson. Because anything you have in this present life it's not going to go with you in the next life. Not even your looks. Come on, somebody. You get better looks in heaven. You see, the pleasure of life has the ability to obscure the realities of eternity. Because of his abundance, this man had no concern about calling on God for his daily bread. He was satisfied. He was content in life. So we seem, because we understand that things without God in the picture of your life, that's not really satisfied. It leaves a gaping hole. He could travel on private jets like Ronaldo of Manchester United. He could stay in fancy hotels, five star, seven star. Thank God when we get a taste of five star, amen. I've stayed in some broke up hotels. I'm at one hotel, I pull in, you know, usually shower twists, right? This one is stayed in one place. I had to do this, that, and that. I had to go around 360 times to get the soap off my body. So I don't think this man understands. Amen. I stayed in hotels where you thought you're going to get uh, um, a double-sized bed. You get a bunk bed. You could choose. Up or down, amen. I've stayed in all kinds of hotels, amen. This guy could travel. He, he could sleep 
with any woman of his desire, or if he's married, he can take his family to nice places. Who's ever trip driven up Chigwell? I'm in Woodford Bridge. I said, God, what happened? Woodford Bridge, just a few doors down to Chigwell. Chigwell, you got massive mansions, beautiful homes. And if you want to torment yourself, drive past it. Oh, God, boy. Some of them got, I mean, drives. You could fit 10 cars. Mine could fit about one and a half. Probably could fit two if I had a smart car. Amen. But he could live in nice, um, stay in fancy hotels in a time of sickness for him and his family. There'll be no need to call on God for healing because he will have access to the best doctors in town, the best specialists of every part of the medical field because he had the resources. He was clothed in purple, the Bible says, when you read the other text, and fed sumptuously every day. To wear purple in those days was an indication of his wealth. He had the fine linen clothing. He could buy Armani. He could buy all the stuff, it's expensive stuff in those days. He had excess for food. They said most people in that culture fed sumptuously only a few times of the year, but this man fed, fed sumptuously every day. So you can see his wealth. William Barclay said, the word sumptuously is used for feasting or gourmets. He fed on exotic and costly dishes every day. He ate well. Secondly, in our text, when he found himself in hell, he became desperate. You see, a quality lost when we become comfortable. The rich man had everything going for him. You don't have to be rich in order to have everything going for you. Because there are some people who are not necessarily rich, but are satisfied to live without God. See, the rich man did not have to experience desperation. His riches was his security. It was his hope and confidence. Proverbs 18, 11, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his own esteem. This is my security. You see, this man, you could say, was an idolater because he loved his money, which made him cold-hearted towards those who were needy. In fact, <clears throat> we was talking to me and Brother Richard Sampler, witnessing to some woman who was doing, what was she doing, Richard? She was something, children that are deaf, charities, and we said we give to charities already. And Richard mentioned something, he said that if you've got a car, a house, food, whatever, well, you, we are one of the top five rich people in the world, something like that. And the woman said, wow, well, you pull it that way, it makes everything different. 
I mean, anything we love more than God is an idol. His riches was his rock in a time of need. In fact, you don't have to have riches to be an idol worshiper. You don't have to have a Buddha, Buddha statue and kiss his belly to be an idol worshiper. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, his dad loved his car. It was a green, I can't remember, Ford something. Back in the 80s, every Sunday, man's waxing the car. I mean, waxing it. You could, brush, you could look in it and brush your teeth. That's how well he cleaned it. He loved it. Some people worship their cars. Some people I've seen, they worship their muscles. What's this? Woof. Today, you got people that worship themselves. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Amen. See, when we are comfortable, there is no need for us to be desperate. One man said, when God is served, mammon is used beneficially. When mammon is served, the claims of God are ignored. Another person said, money possessing, a money possessing man is the direst curse. For it hardens his heart and paralyzes his noblest powers. The money of a God-possessed man is a blessing for it becomes the means of him expressing his sympathy with his fellow men. Let's make it clear tonight so you don't get twisted. The rich man was not in torment because he was rich. But because he lived a life apart from the love and the trust of God. And this was demonstrated by his life towards his fellow man. He had what it takes to be a blessing to Lazarus. But he was just for himself. You could write the Psalms 23 and say, Though the rich man goes through the valley of the shadow of death, his assets, his gold and silver shall comfort him. Some may love, but there are people who have made things their security and not God. God is always trying to communicate with us that we should not make things our hope, that, we should be, that he should be our hope pertaining everything in life. Because how I many of things can fail us? We saw it. Things can be taken away from us. Like it happened with Job. He was a rich man, but the devil came and took everything. I remember one time, I, we had a church bus, and it was an LDV van. Remember the LDV van? That uncomfortable van. It was a big top van. You couldn't get into supermarkets. It was just hard. When you drive, you put the heaters on, but you can hardly feel the heat if you're at the back. I remember we had the LDV van, and I remember I was, um, basically I got blessed, you know, got blessed with, at that time it was good money, still good money. I was blessed with 80 pounds. 
And I remember I drove down, I drove down the market, you know where the job centre is? And I popped round the back in one of those houses. <clears throat> Went to the bank, put the money in, came back, I saw a clamp. Who's ever had them seasons? Who's had them seasons that you, what, the whole week you're getting tickets? You ever had them hell weeks? And guess how much the clamp was to take it off? 80 pounds! Get blessed with 80. So I had to go back to Na Abbey National at the time, ch -ch 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 -ch, get the money out and give it to somebody to unclamp me. How many know that's a vex? I told someone well, I wouldn't hit that. I've changed my ways. I hurt. You can get money and it can have wings and fly away. Sometimes it feels like that. You get money in one pocket, it comes out the other pocket. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere tonight. I'm building a picture. First Timothy 6, 17, 18. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God is saying riches, material things can make people become proud. Arrogant, superior, and puffed up. And he also teaches that God is the only one who is stable, but things and riches change. I remember being in Nottingham. We were witnessing, and one guy came up with a bike. He said, I used to have a lot of money. I had a big house, I had money, I had loads of friends. I mean, but he said, when the money went run dry, all my friends chipped. Nobody wanted to know me anymore. I mean, oh, that money deceived him. He was desperate for mercy. He cries out, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus. When I looked at this text, the man took mercy for granted. On earth, he showed no mercy to the suffering and to those in need. Now he needed mercy and mercy didn't show up. Many people take mercy for granted. They reject mercy while it's being offered to, by God freely on earth while they are alive. Backsliders take mercy for granted. Just heard a story that broke my heart today. Some guy I knew used to be saved, was a gospel rapper in one of our churches, died two weeks ago by going to a party, drinking himself crazy, dies and never wakes up. Took mercy for granted. Unbelievers take mercy for granted. When you and I are witnessing and sharing Jesus, we are presenting the mercy of God to them. Because after death, there is no more mercy. If you die in your sins, you see, it's when people hit a crisis, that's when they become desperate. When our back is against a wall, when our comfort zone is shaken, you find people cry out for mercy. 
They try to cry out for something bigger than themselves. I remember years ago, one pastor, I'll never forget, he was a, I was a new convert, and he said that his brother was an atheist, practicing atheist. Don't believe in God, witness, witness. But there was an earthquake in America. Boom! He says, you know the first person knocking on the church door? Was his brother. You know, a few years ago, remember there was an earthquake in Haiti. I heard reports, people were crying out to Jesus, Jesus, help us! Help! But how many know they didn't consider him when they were comfortable in their sin? He was not considered when they were doing their witchcraft and their idolatry. The earthquake shook their sense of security. Their comfortability in their sin. You see, it's many times in disaster that people wake up. They wake up to their frailties. They wake up to their weaknesses. They wake up and realize that they don't have life in control as they think they have it. They realize that they're subject to the elements of life. Maybe the rich man... They cry out to God in his life. Time. But like so many, it's when they are in trouble, that's when they consider God. But when trouble is past, they forget God and go back to their sin. That God becomes just a, a bailout card. I know, because before I got saved, when they put me in that cell in Leighton Stone, I was saying, God, if you get me out, I promise you, I'll be good. And he got me out, and I continued in my sin. The Bible talks about the children of Israel. Every time they sinned, God would send judgment. He would send a nation to discipline them. And then they would cry out, help us! And God would raise up a judge deliver them, and they will serve God while the judge is present. As soon as the judge goes, they go back to sinning. They'll go back to their old ways of living. I mean, on materialism, people in the West, sometimes we, cannot, we are not desperate enough. Materialism can have a grip on our minds. We can become so concerned about the outward rather than the eternal, if we're not careful. Second Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is seen, unseen. But what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. Who placed everything in light of eternity in his life? which would have caused him to put material things in his proper place. Let me tell you something. God is not against us being blessed. Amen? He's not against you having nice things or me having nice things, but he knows and understands the danger of it defecting our hearts and drawing us away. In our text, this man was just content. Now I've witnessed to people that had everything, and they told me, I don't need God. Don't tell him down the road there. 
He needs God. Lastly, where I want to come from is that this man had compassion for souls. Compassion means to be concerned, sympathy, empathy. There's a man, he said in his book, there's one thing we can't do in heaven. We can't witness. Because everybody will be saved. And there's one thing that people can't do in hell. Hear the gospel again. You see, the rich man exhibited compassion for the lost. The Bible says he was moved with pity in his heart for his brothers. He had come to the conclusion, I'm in this place by my own choice, and there is no hope for me, but he was moved from his family members. Salvation was too lost, was lost for him, too late. He had been blinded by the deceitfulness of riches, and pleasures of this life. He did not want to see family and members end up where he was. It's amazing on earth. He seemed to be selfish. But now there is transformation when he speaks with such selflessness and concern for others. But how many know, though he had noble intentions, it was too late. Because in hell, the Bible says, he became a believer. He believed in evangelism. He believed in reaching the lost. He now believed that God's compassion for the lost. He now believed that God was the only hope for mankind and that the world needed a witness. He believes. He also believed in the resurrection. Because he believed if someone will rise from the dead and witness, my brothers will get saved. They'll make an impact for the lost. Abraham reminded him that his brothers had Moses and the prophets, meaning they already have a witness from the word of God. And if Lazarus was a beggar, you find a change. In hell, the rich man becomes the beggar. Because he says, Father Abraham, I beg that you send Lazarus. His desire, have you no desire is a powerful thing? That's why adverts work. You don't want Coca-Cola, but you see it so many times around, you want Coca-Cola. Come on, somebody. That's why, you know, I went into a supermarket and I was vexed. I said, why do you guys keep changing the, the format of the supermarket? Have you ever been supermarket? You know where you're going. You know where you're going. And you go there and it's a different product. They do that on purpose. One woman said to me in Lidl, he says, they move, they move this over here. So you see over there, you, before you get over there, you see these products. So you buy these products before you get the product you want. That's how they do it. 
the catch-ups, man. And we fall for it all the time. Oh, yeah. I need to face. Oh, yeah. Who here is a prolific buyer and you keep sending it back, 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 back the goods? You buy stuff, you go home, I don't need it. You have your receipts and you send them. <laughs> you know, some people, you're like that, isn't it? You buy it for the thrill of buying it. You go home, why did I buy this? So you wrap it up for next Christmas. I'm sure there's some presents. They've been floating around for 25 years. <laughs> you see, the rich man longed for the lost to be saved. He had high and noble intentions, but the problem was it was too late. His request will be denied, a noble request. It seemed he knew about the law of Moses. And the prophets, this man had access to truth. I mean, we have access to truth. Every day, we have access. There's some nations that don't have access. Remember reading the account that they put these guys in jail, but thankfully, someone just had a cut of John 3.16, and they said that these believers lived on John 3.16 for three years. I mean, the word of God is deep. They got loads of nutrients from John 3.16. We have Bibles in our pockets. We have Bibles and apps. We have access to truth every day. He had access to truth. Truth that could save his soul and set him free, but he rejected it. He thought he had no need for God because of his riches, and he was satisfied with life. He rejected it for a life of pleasure, a life of idolatry, for the world and fleeting pleasures, and received in the end a life without God's love, God's care, God's presence, power and grace, and mercy. In hell, he was reduced to poverty and suffering. He had no riches, no hope, no anticipation, he is stuck forever in the same place because he had access to truth but didn't make use of truth. You see, this man is still thinking tonight. He's still thinking about his dreadful mistake, remembering his sins over and over again. He's lost opportunities in getting his soul right with God and showing mercy to the suffering. He, he probably repented a million times. But got no release. Angry with himself of how stupid he was. For not making use of truth. You know there are people even if they saw hell. They still won't repent. I read an account about this man, he said his friend said, did you know I had a heart attack and I died? He said, no, I didn't know. He says, I felt myself being pulled into this dark tunnel. But thankfully, the doctors were able to resuscitate me. The guy said to his friend, listen, you are on your way to hell. Why don't you repent and give your life to Jesus? 
You know what they're giving you a second chance and you're still hard. Still won't repent. Still won't get right. See, the question is this. The rich man in hell had compassion for the loss, but it was too late. How about you and I who are saved? Who, are, who can pray and have our prayers answered? Should we not have more compassion for the lost? We have an opportunity because we are saved. God is our father. Jesus is our savior. We are going to heaven. Should we not show compassion for the lost like this man? When was the last time you were compassionate towards the lost? Or you are here and the rich man is a lesson about people who want to live life without God on earth. It's a picture of things of the world does not matter when we step into eternity. The only thing that matters is, was your soul right with God? You see, hell is not imagery tonight. It's not, it's real. And Jesus spoke about hell a lot because he was trying to drive the truth in so people can escape this place. He wanted people to grasp his truth. It's because God was not willing, God was willing to pay a hefty price so we can all escape this place. You know, God has a different view. In Ezekiel, you can really feel the heart of God towards the unsaved. He is grieved when the wicked die. God does not take pleasure in seeing people lose their soul. In Ezekiel 18.32, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore turn and live. In Ezekiel 33, 11, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? You can feel God's heart. He says, I don't take pleasure when people like Amy Winehouse dies. I don't take pleasure. I don't take pleasure when wicked people or people away from me die. I don't, I don't go, ha, 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 God said, that's not my heart. That's not the way I flex. Even the most, even the person you hate the most, he says, I don't take pleasure when they pass. I don't. Sometimes, you know, thank God we're not God, Amen. Sometimes when something happens to someone, you're like, you know, you might not say it. Oh, that is so sad. But in your heart, <laughs> good, you're gone. Come on, don't look at me like that. You're gone. And God said, that's not how my heart operates. When the most wicked, you know, we might look at people like Joseph Stalin. He was wicked. God says, I don't take pleasure when they die. Because I know where they're going. See, God was encouraging 
his people to repent and rather live, rather than go on in sin and die and lose their soul. This rich man, he took mercy and truth for granted. For he will always hear truth, always have mercy. We need to feel what God feels about this issue. We need to pray for God to allow us to feel his heart of how he feels about the unsaved and the lost tonight. You see, the rich man's heart was moved for the lost. He didn't want his brothers to go to where he is. He didn't want family members to end up where he was. He was very unselfish, but the problem was it was too late. He should have thought about his own soul, and then he could have thought about the souls of others. See, these are the lessons we can learn from the rich man in hell. He no doubt had compassion for the lost, but it was too late. But you and I on the other side who are saved in our right mind, it's not too late for us. We ought to have more compassion than the one who's lost. And it's a week of evangelism. I will say to, tonight, we need to check our hearts and see if we're not just going through the motion, if we still have a heart for the lost, a compassion for the lost. Like Pastor Brown preached a few weeks ago, God needs us. Tonight, let's have compassion tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. Tonight you're here and you're lost. Truth and grace is being extended on this side of eternity because God does not take pleasure in anyone dying without him, without Jesus, because he knows where you're going to spend eternity. He knows that if you die in your sin, you're going to have to be judged by him, and you're going to have to go and live a life of eternity away from him. But that is not God's desire. The Bible says that God wishes none to perish, but all to come to repentance and to the acknowledgement of truth. God loves you, but he doesn't like the sin. He doesn't like the fornication, sex outside marriage. He doesn't like the lies. He doesn't like the porn. He doesn't like these things because these things separate us from him. These things damage us. These things wreck us. And it not only wrecks us, but it wrecks those behind us. God deeply, deeply loves you. But your sin has to be dealt with. Man tries to deal with his sin by being religious, trying to be a good person. I was witnessing to one guy and I said, the Bible says that no one is made righteous or justified by the works of the law. That if you are trying to live up to God's commands by yourself, God expects 100% perfection. But you and I can't give 100% perfection. This is why Jesus came into the equation. He is God become man. He's the one who lived the law 100% perfect. Mentally, 
action-wise and even in his heart. Perfect. He never sinned. <coughs> because of that, he was qualified to die in our place. Jesus had to die because God doesn't, can't look at sin and pretend it doesn't exist. With sin has to come death. And Jesus became a blood sacrifice for us. He paid the price for our lies, our immorality, our rebellion. He paid it in full. So you and I don't have to pay. If you have to pay yourself, you're going to be separate from God in eternal hell forever. But if you repent, change your mind, and turn from your sin and walk away from it and put your faith, your trust in Jesus. Jesus does a wonderful miracle. He forgives you of your sin. He gives you his gift of righteousness and he changes your heart. That's the wonderful news of the gospel is that you can be a changed man, a changed woman. You can be right before God as a gift by you giving your life to Jesus. And you're here tonight, you say, preacher, you know, I've tried on my own and I've failed, failed, failed. I want to be honest with you. I want to be honest with God. I'm a sinner and I need his forgiveness. I need a changed life. And we want to give you the opportunity tonight that your sins can be forgiven. You can start a new begin. You can start again. The Bible says you become born again. You start again. You say, I want that tonight. I want to get right. I don't want to be a fool like this rich man who thought life was just the material. Life was about what I just see. I don't want to miss eternity because I'm just living for this life. And you say tonight, I want to get right. I want my sins to be forgiven. Lift up your hands tonight. Anyone here from my left, upstairs, left, right? God's calling you tonight. We're leaving for the Holy Spirit to speak to you tonight. That you're not right. You're living in sin. The man you're with, you're not married to. You're having sex outside of marriage. If you die in that condition, you'll be lost forever. And you say tonight, I want to turn. I want to get right. Lift up your hands. Anybody here? God's speaking to you tonight. I want to get right. Anyone here? Lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're a backslider. You're taking mercy for granted you think you know God's merciful and you think you're going to have that mercy forever but just like that bachelor that died in his sleep it could be you tonight tomorrow next week you don't know receive mercy while mercy is being offered backslider lift up your hands I see that hand thank you you can put it down anybody else backslider or not saved lift up your hands want to pray for you you're here tonight Never accepted Christ. Going church doesn't make you a Christian. You have to repent and receive Jesus. That's when you become a Christian. You've never done that. Lift up your hands. Anybody else? I want to be honest before God. Lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Okay, amen. Sister here, you looked at, you lifted up your hand. You meant that? you come forward? Someone will pray for you. Come. It's, we're not here to embarrass you. Just, and our sister D will pray with you. Anybody else? You're not right with God. Lift up your hand one more time. I want to get right up, up the balcony. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Okay, church. Amen. This man had compassion. 
I have to look at my own heart. Do I have compassion for the lost? I have to search myself. But we can grab hold of God and say, God, change my heart. Let me feel what you feel about the lost. Let me be moved. And not just moved, but moved to action. Amen. If God's spoken to you tonight, let's come and make some decisions before God. Amen. The altars are open. You come, amen. You come and speak to God. Say, God, I, I want compassion in this area. I want to be moved for the lost. For my next door neighbor, for that person you've been telling me years, speak to that person, but I haven't because of fear. God, I, I want to speak to them. Come, amen. Let God grab your heart. Oh, God, give us your compassion. Give us your compassion for the lost, oh Jesus. Let us not be hardened, oh God, no more. Let us not be indifferent, oh God, but move our hearts. If this man in hell could have compassion and he's lost and his request is not going to be answered, oh God, that I'm alive, give me that compassion. Lord, I pray, deliver our hearts from becoming comfortable. Let not the deceitfulness of things grab us and we begin to idolize things, oh God. Rip our hearts from these things that you alone will be the focus and attention of our lives. We do thank you for your blessings, but don't let blessings hold us, Lord Jesus. God, I need your heart in this matter. Be honest with God. Ruler of the nations, I lift my voice to worship you, Lord. You 